0: the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas without any data to back that up. Mm -hmm. Bringing you the latest in all sports news from KCAC to AAC to the NBA to the NFL to the NCAA. You get all of that right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor Anthony Smith. Mm -hmm. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. (music) you <music> the a-train sports talk podcast we got a loaded show today as we got today we actually have player spotlight we go to the show me state of missouri we also have the high school football blitz as we are also in the middle of state high school playoff is win and proceed lose and go home and there were some teams that will not be going on And we got so much more to go on on the national scene as well as the regional scene. But today, I go to the great show me state of Missouri. I have a left-handed pitcher, stands six foot one. He's a junior, already committed to Wichita State University by the name of Ethan Rogers. So let's welcome aboard the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Mr. Ethan Rogers Good morning sir, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Man, I'm doing just fine, so elated to have you on And in this new thing called X You know, a lot of the times you reach out to someone You follow them, you hit the notification button Because you want to be notified And then when you go to send them a direct message just hit subscribe Okay, I'm not about to subscribe to this person, not about to subscribe to this person, but when I came across your page, and y'all, X is falling on as Twitter, so I'm still trying to figure that equation out anyway. Your page, I went to send a direct message, and it let me through. I'm like, good, this is the young man I want to talk to, because I see that he's committed to Wichita State. So the first thing I have to ask, and then we'll probably double back, what was it that attracted you to Wichita State University
1: um i think i mean obviously the facilities are are beautiful and and amazing but i mean the coaching staff just and all and talking to all the players whenever i went on my visit they just really um uh, i felt at home almost and and it made me feel very welcome
0: absolutely and that is one of the things that a lot of people say when you come to Wichita State, how they make you feel, how they roll out the red carpet, and the fact that you're getting in with a brand new coach. As a matter of fact, I sent you a, a Twitter link. They were they're playing their fall ball, their inter squad yeah. scrimmage, black yeah. against the gold team. Because I got home last night, and I'm like, what is all that noise? And I'm like, oh, they got the statements. That's right, fall ball. They're having their inter squad series, so you know they they really hyped that up. One thing I will say, yeah, they will roll out the red carpet for you. I've had the chance to have Kevin Saul, the athletic director on and He's a really genuine man. So, you know, it starts at the top and trickles on down. So let's talk about your playing days. You're in the state of Missouri, you're a six foot one left handed pitcher, correct? Yep. All yep. right. So how long have you been playing the sport of baseball and what influenced you into playing baseball?
1: Um, I mean, I've been playing baseball my, my whole life, and I can remember um i I think some of the biggest things that that uh influenced me to to play baseball was one growing up i kind of tried to play it all you know i wanted to play baseball football basketball all of it but um i think one of the biggest things was my uncle he was a former division one pitcher as well and so i was like oh so this is pretty cool because i would kind of go to his games when i was younger and and get to see all that stuff and and i think that really um helped draw love for the game for me
0: absolutely so basically you just group around the sport then the sport grew on you then you ended up getting into the sport so outside of pitcher, before you really decided on pitching is what you want to do what other positions did you play um well so
1: obviously being left-handed I'm a little bit limited but I was I've always been a center fielder slash just outfield in general but usually I've been in
0: in center field center field okay who are some of your influences in baseball? Because I I, I got to ask you this question right here because uh, I listened to a couple of guys. Uh, they're called the Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio. I don't know if you're familiar with those two guys, but this one particular night they had Rob Parker and a guy named Arnie Springer, and they sound like a bunch of old guys get off my line type guys, and they were talking about the coverage of the, you know, Little League World Series and they say there's a game on every night and we don't want to see this. Does that bold what does how does that resonate when you hear something like that? Because my thinking is in order for the game to really be advertised, you have to do it on all levels, whether it be Little League World Series, uh College World Series, men's art, women's softball. Would you agree that there was too much coverage or do you think there's not enough coverage?
1: Um I mean, I think as a whole in baseball, like the pro level and the college level and things like that, I don't think there is enough coverage. I think I think at times there is a lot of coverage on it, but I feel like the vast majority of times it's very underplayed and um, doesn't get the love that it deserves almost.
0: Absolutely. Because, see, I'm an, old, I'm an older man. I'm 56 years old. And I remember watching... Little League World Series on ABC Sports. That was before we had 2,000 cable companies or channels on TV. And so their biggest argument was these kids are being exploited and how does little Johnny feel when he is the one that costs the team the game and have to go to school and face his peers? But I don't think there's too much coverage because I believe that even if you had been in that situation and be able to say, look, I was on TV playing with such and such a team in the Little League World Series, Exactly. That That is the, that's like the pinnacle as a child growing up. So, oh, I wonder, yeah. I, it, but, oh, I was on TV. Right. And so, I definitely wanted to get your take on this. So, I don't think it's too much coverage. So, we, we're we looking at your playing career and you're in the state of Missouri. Tell me a little bit about the school that you play for.
1: Um, So, I go to a smaller school. Um, It's called Lone Jack High School. Mm-hmm. And so, we're pretty small. We're like class three in baseball. And so, I mean, obviously since freshman year I've started and I got to play outfield too, which if I went to a bigger school, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. I'd probably just be a pitcher. But since I am at a smaller school, I get to play all the other positions that I can play as well and then also get a lot of innings pitching-wise. So I think that that's always been a a really cool thing for me because I've gotten to do the other parts of baseball that I also love. So,
0: all right. So, who are some of your major league influences? Some of the guys that you watch that you may are kind of pattern your game after, but yet you still have your own game. Who are some of the major league stars that you look up to?
1: Um, I feel like, uh, like fielding wise, I mean, like Mike Trout, he's one of the greatest ever. Aaron Judge, and he hits bombs and, and, and is very very good and flashy Bryce Harper guys like that but I think uh, on the pitching side I kind of I like uh, like Trevor Bauer or like Max Scherzer kind of because I mean they're they're more like Trevor Bauer's a little bit more flashy when it comes to pitching and I mean um, and I think he made makes the game a lot more fun when he comes out and and he strikes you out and then he celebrates a little bit and, and gets all excited about it you know I like that side of baseball, too.
0: Absolutely. And, and see, I'm in, I'm in the thinking of just like you. Baseball has to do a better job marketing. And at the same time, you know, they say boys will be boys. But yet, when the boys try to be boys, they're like, oh, no, you, you, that that's messing with the tradition of the game. Yeah. But, but yeah. this is a new generation. And some of these things, you know, like Ken Griffey Jr., I'm, Pretty sure you've seen clips on him. They used For to sure. talk about him wearing his hat backwards. I mean, he didn't do it during the game, but the fact that, oh, he had his hat on backwards, that's a disgrace to the game. Or the bat flip or you have to make the game exciting. I mean, if you look at the NFL, players uh-huh. get to celebrate. College football, the players get to celebrate. Yep. Baseball, it may as well be a game of golf. Because exactly. they just want you to be very stoic and very robotic type. And I think they need to change that a little bit
1: i agree i think I think that's one of the biggest reasons why baseball has lost so much popularity is because there are these other sports where guys are coming out and they're doing everything they can to make it exciting after they score and and in baseball, I mean, if you hit a five hundred foot bomb, I think you should be able to let let' them know you know I mean you're like obviously don't go don't go out of the lines, but celebrate a little bit. I mean, you just did something really, really good for your team. Why why am I being punished after I'm happy about, about helping my team out? Exactly.
0: And, and my theory is this. If a pitcher doesn't want to see a batter celebrate, strike him out. Exactly. The same way with a batter. If he doesn't want to see a pitcher celebrate after he gets struck out, hit a home run or at least get on base. Plain exactly. and simple, it's just like in football. If you don't want the team to uh, celebrate, stop them from scoring. Plain yeah. and simple.
1: That's one of my biggest things. It's like, I mean, it's not it's not their fault that they hit the home run. I mean, it's your fault for giving it up. Right. You know, there's not much like you can't you can't complain. You're the one who who allowed it.
0: Let me ask you this because I know you. I don't know how to what level you might have faced this. In baseball, but you know there's like unwritten rules, so a pitcher gives up a home run the next batter up he suffers the consequences of what the batter did before him. Do you think that's right, or do you think it should be on the onus of the pitcher that next time he faces that batter to hit the home run to strike him out instead of taking that out on the next batter i think I think it's it should be.
1: It should be the next time you face that batter, you you strike him out. You've got to show him that you're that you're still there, and you're that guy, and you're not like. I mean, I feel like when you're when you go out, the guy hits a home run, you hit the next guy up after him because of something that happened. Like, why, why is he getting punished one for what his teammate did, and two, his teammate didn't even do anything bad. He's just happy, you know. I like being younger guys aren't, I feel like baseball is straying away from that a lot and it's getting to a point where it, it's, a, it's a more normal thing to celebrate but, so I've never really seen anybody like, somebody hit a home run and then bat flip and then the next guy get hit or anything like that but but you can tell the guys get mad about it still.
0: Right. So, yeah, I just wanted to address some of those things because, you know I'm 56, like I said, and I've seen a lot and in- You know, I've seen the next batter up gets plunked, and then next, you know, you have the bench clearing brawl. Which that's another thing I want to talk about. Because we see the benches empty, and usually it's just a little dust up or a little come to Jesus meeting at the mound. But my theory is this right here if a batter and a pitcher has something, has an out against each other, instead of the benches clearing, and then it takes 15 to 30 minutes to get order restored. Just let them two go at it, like in hockey. Yeah. And then, once one of the guys is down, the umpire comes out. All right, that's enough. Both you guys are ejected. We resume the game.
1: I think that could be a good idea. I mean, don't even don't even uh, make them sit out the next game. Just make them, just eject them that game, and they can come back the next game too. But, but I mean, I mean, I think it could add some excitement almost too. You know. Hmm. I mean, and how hockey does it? How they people go to hockey games because they want to see a fight, right? And I think it could, I think it
0: could almost add some excitement too. Now, tell me some. How do you like the new the new rule changes that have been incorporated into baseball? Because you know some of this stuff. and I'm pretty sure you're familiar with. Uh, if you're not, you will be familiar with it here soon. I'm pretty sure. Like around here, we have what's called NBC National Baseball Congress, and we got those tournaments. And a lot of this stuff that you're seeing in Major League Baseball now has been incorporated from that such as the pitch clock. You know, ways to speed the game up. Do you think the pitch clock and some of these other rule changes is good for the game of baseball? I
1: think it is. I mean, we baseball was having, MLB was having games that were going they were just going too long. Like 5 hour games is not nobody wants to sit through a 5 hour anything. You know what I mean? Right. I think this is this is really sped the game up, and it makes it more exciting because it's quicker paced, and you're seeing a lot more action, and you're not having to sit there for hours and hours just to see a whole game. You can go and, and it can be a two hour ordeal. Absolutely. You know, like I, it's not so long. Because I want to sit through through three and a half hours, four hours, five hours of anything. It doesn't matter what it is. You get bored, right?
0: Absolutely. So let me ask you this question. Uh I want to get back to the team that you play for. So what type of team do y'all have as far as, you know, the season? What what has y'all's uh, some of the goals that y'all have accomplished as far as m- making state tournaments and whatnot? What is it um what has the experience been like?
1: For my high school, we uh we're supposed to be really good this year. So our goal is is um is to to at least make it to to state to at least be in the top three that's our biggest goal and if we don't make that i think we're going to be it's almost going to be a little bit of a disappointment you know i we're we're supposed to be really good we've got a lot of talent on the team we've got a few other really good arms on the team and um and a lot of guys who really really want it and a great coaching staff as well so our goal is as uh as a whole is is to win it all or to at least finish in the
0: top three and since you mentioned that you said great group of teammates and great coaching staff, who is your coach? And tell us a little bit about your coach because I would hate to do this podcast without giving your coach some mention and thus getting you in trouble. <laughs> yep. You know,
1: so my uh my head baseball coach, his name is um his name is Dustin Darby or Coach Darby, but um he's I've had um so he's a teacher at my school as well, and he taught me he's taught me for a while. But he's a uh, health and was a PE teacher when I was littler. But so I've kind of I've known him for a while and um I mean he's a really, really good guy on and off the field. He's he's a very, very helpful, um and just like I said, he's he's willing to do anything for his team and and help him out a lot. So he's uh yeah, I I very much so enjoyed playing for him and we've been good. He's had a lot of success at my school as
0: well. Absolutely. So, Coach Darby, we're giving you some love today on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast and that's also a little hint coach we might have to get you on here as well too. So, <laughs> who are, who are some of your who are some of your teammates and I'm going to bring this train this segment into a close but some of your teammates that also are also looking at going on to the next level as well too.
1: So I have a few guys on my team who are um there's a few guys in my grade and a couple in the grade below me who are looking um we have a pitcher who I think has a really good chance as long as he keeps working hard but he's about 6-4 okay. right now he's pretty he's pretty raw right now he hasn't been playing baseball for forever or pitching for super long but he's picked it up well his name's Clayton Laden and he's good um another kid who's left-handed his name's brett nicholson he's he's gonna be really good when he develops a little bit more and then um our catcher who has who catches me during uh summer ball as well his name's landon Danuser, and he's been going to camps and and he's he's gonna go play somewhere and then a kid in the grade <laughs> below me his name's luke throgmorton he's a shortstop pretty good pretty good little shortstop um has a good bat he kind of hits for contact right now but he's He's working on on getting a little bit bigger so he can maybe have a little more power.
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to say I appreciate you for taking 15 to 20 minutes out of your day. And hopefully this will not be the last time because I want to follow you guys during the season and get some updates and hopefully get some of your teammates on as well and most definitely get Coach Darby on because just the way you spoke highly of him, he's definitely someone I definitely want to get on. But I want to thank you for taking the time out to introduce yourself to my list in public, and I want to wish you the best luck on the upcoming season, and can't wait for you to get here to be a Wichita State Shocker. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, on the A-Train Sports Talk, my guest, all the way from the Show Me State of Missouri, Mr. Ethan Rogers. Thank, thank you very you much, sir. Right, thank you. All right. This has been the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. First segment in the book. My guest, Mr. Ethan Rogers, all the way from Lone Jack, Missouri. And like I said, we are definitely going to get him back on. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to get into high school football blitz, bring you the scores from playoff games. Who knows? I may end up with another guest. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to promise that. But come back on the other side of this break. We'll give you the scores of the playoff that is in full swing here in the state of Kansas. Probably take a look around the KCAC as well too as we will look at the games from last week and bring you up to speed on the games that are going to be taking place this week. All right here on A train sports talk podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith.
2: Yo, I need
0: a haircut.
3: Yo, I need a haircut. Yo, I need a haircut. haircut.
0: Oh, really? Well, I'll tell you where you can go. How about 256 North Topeka, Midtown Barbershop. Got two seasoned barbers on staff. Malcolm and Tony. Located 256 North Topeka, Midtown Barbershop. Can they do fades? Have you coming in looking like five bucks? Leave out looking like brand new money. Of course, fades, beard trims. Ball shaves, they can do it all. That's Midtown Barbershop. 56 North Peak, Malcolm and Tony. Tell them A-Train sent you. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. back it is the a train sports talk podcast it is saturday and you know what's going on it is that thing called the high school football blitz that first segment we had the player spotlight somebody haven't really been doing a lot of but i was able to get in touch with that young man by the name of ethan rogers lone jack missouri who is the admitted to Wichita State University to um, play baseball. He's a junior this year. And now we're about to hit you with the football blitz. Oh my god. You want to talk about some games that were played last night. Hard-hitting action. One of the games is called On Local Radio. I may be able to get somebody on there. May. I'm not going to promise that. But one thing I will promise you is this. I will have some highlights to provide you so you'll know exactly what happened. And I may run down through all the scores, but I'm definitely going to get you some of these highlights as we bring to you now the High School Football Blitz. And of course, as you know, this podcast is sponsored by the Glassman, located 4411 West Central Avenue, Wichita, Kansas 67212. Go out there and tell them that the a train sent you so just what happened last night before I get into the scores well i do have some highlights to share with you so let's just go ahead and get on into this
4: with one in west wichita east northwest east got the best of them the first time around in one of the wildest games of the year Both defenses the story early. Jace Glasper called for the run on fourth down, and East came up with a stop. Early turnover on downs inside their own territory. Then the Grizzly defense puts on the clamps. Jacob King flies in for the sack of Deontay Mitchell. A few plays later, the G-Wall career leader answers all the time in the world. Floats it up and just too much speed by LT Robinson. We got a 7-0 ball game. They keep applying the pressure here, Northwest, third and long. Romello Goldston flies in for a sack. Northwest has to punt to the second. Mitchell provides some more electricity. Backed up against his own goal line. Look at him pull out the moves up the sideline. Absorbs the hit and into grizzly territory. But not so fast. Mitchell on the pitch. It's fumbled. Northwest hops on it. Nothing doing there. East gets it back. And they go to the ground. It's Raybel leak. He finds an inch and... Takes a whole lot more. Gets all the way down to the one-yard line. And you know East offense can capitalize there. They do it from the air. Mitchell, Marcus White for a 14-0 lead. And East has been in control of this game all throughout. They lead it right now in the fourth quarter, late 48-21.
0: That was highlights from Northwest and East. Of course, East High, what can we say? It wasn't foreign of them to have to go out to Northwest Field to play because they feel like, hey, we beat them once. We can do it again. They did it again. So all I can say is hats off to Wichita East because their starting quarterback, Deontay Mitchell. This is what he is set out to do. Here are some more highlights: Capon and Great Bend. a lot of short
4: Touchdown runs. So we're going to begin you with this: Crusader senior Dylan Hamilton nearly gets it in. And Amari Elias, you know how this goes. Another huge night for him, punches it in, 7-0, Capen. Great bend, sophomore connection here, Daxton Minton, Ian Premer over the middle, he fights his way to go 64 yards. And it's 7-7 seven seven late in the first. More Elias then for Capen. This one makes it 15-7. Minton on the other side, uses his legs to go 74 yards this time. A cape and defense giving up some big plays here. Freshman Cooper O'Mant ran a kickback 97 yards as well. Uh, lots of brotherly shoves in this one. You've probably seen that in the NFL. Copycat down to high school. Menton follows his big run with a one-yard push. Great Bend trailed by eight at the half. The Panthers dropped the two-point conversion that could have tied it. Instead trailing by 11 late. Primer wrestles it away for a 36-yard touchdown. Capen still leading 36-34. Onside kick failed. Capen faced fourth down in the final seconds. Elias on his 49th carry of the night. 263 yards to go with it. And they ice it. What a game. 36-34. All right.
0: So that was Capen and Great Ben. And as you heard, Capen just barely survived. Great Ben, but no pushover. But we also have some more highlights coming for you. As I believe what's coming up next, Hutch and May South.
4: at the break, looking for momentum, Tate McNew fires, tipped by three players. Hot potato in the secondary. Spencer Riggs eventually comes down with it. That was the Achilles heel in the first meeting. How about the Mavs defense though on 3rd down tackle for loss they force a punt Mavs offense then in business Braxton Bigley the big fella hurdles the defender and picks up a nice gainer there a few plays later great protection for McNew fires to the end zone Landon Gatos man toe drag swag in the corner for the score we got a six point ball game hutch offense on the field now 4th down Mavs force terrell king sideways and they get another stop and that leads to more points tate mcnew on a keeper eventually gets in they take a 21 20 lead and that lead holds the comeback win for the mavs in this one down to 3a and
0: And there you heard that may south with the comeback and the one point now, I'm going to do something that I normally don't do in the middle of a show, but I'm about to give somebody a call. Somebody I know was at the game, I just sent him a text message. He have not responded. He probably still have sleep, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to give him a call anyway. But, I tell you what, while I'm doing that, I got some more highlights for you. Yes, I do have some more highlights for you. As we're looking now at the Hayes game right Hayes versus Eisenhower and let's see
4: how that
0: actually turned out
4: the red zone now and it's a handoff then to Lucas Dickman gets the crease runs over his own man eventually gets into the end zone Ike looking strong and looking to make a statement Hayes on offense now Carter Graham unloads downfield And watch Johnny Cano here. It's a heck of a grab. Comes up with it. Through the defender, Indians in business. Back to the Ike offense, though. Derek Morgan feels pressure. Calls his own number again. Gets upfield, back inside. Nice run. And then he drops back. This time does fire. And it's to his man, Carter Pabst. Look at him put on the moves. In for the score. And Eisenhower statement winners, 41-7.
0: So there you have it. Eisenhower is moving on. So, like I said, there was a lot of football in the area and abroad, and it just keeps on getting better as we have more highlights. McPherson and Bueller.
4: Bueller second quarter of a scoreless game. Jeffrey Neal looking for a receiver. It's second and 23. He would scramble. Eventually, he's going to be able to get this ball off. A nice gainer. They're jacked up. The drive did stall out, though, and Jeffrey Neal uh, going to look for a 26-yard field goal, and Bueller goes up 3-0. will show you a lot of field goals. Man, they were the story in the first half here. Matt got it into the red zone. They couldn't find the end zone. Blaze Hoover comes out, 33 yards out, and he puts one through the uprights with plenty of distance. McPherson then started a drive with under three minutes to go in the half on their own 14-yard line. They'd get it all the way down to the 26, but then it would stall, and then it's Blaze Hoover again, this time from 43 yards out, and he gets it to go. Mac led at the half, 6-3, to three, and then they added some in the second half, and they get the win, 26-3. Hey, if you need any...
0: So there you have it. Bueller and McPherson. What do we have up next? We have Holcomb up next on some highlights. That's right, all across the state. Holcomb and Cheney.
4: Kaysen Messenger gets to Keegan Johnson there. Little assist from Taj Thomas and the Cheney defense showing up early. Holcomb, Davin Hernandez punts it. Returned by Jackson Voth. 51 yards. 51 yards on the touchdown return. And that at the moment was a big play. There was not a lot of offense in this game early on. Holcomb back with it. Keegan Johnson to Damon Mesa brought down by Colton Summerer. This thing was tight for a while. And then Cheney really opened things up in the second half. They win it 37 to 8. We'll take you to Scott City and check in on Andale. Coming up.
0: So you heard it. Cheney finally escapes and creates separation between them and Holcomb. So what do we have up next for the highlight reel? Andale and Scott City.
4: Andale on the road in a playoff game. Opening kickoff and it's a tone setter, Sam Hart from five yards inside, a, inside his own goal line. Straight up the field finds a crease. Beaver's trying to get to him all alone, all the way down and he scores. Wyatt Becker with it then, running through a crowd of Beavers there. Gets tackled to the ground in the red zone. Beavs trying to get something rolling. Camden Volgamore heaves it downfield. He's got somebody, but Harrison Petuchek comes out of nowhere, gets lit up there. uh, Still manages to come down with it for the Indians' interception. Ian Schrant then, looks like he's gonna run with it. Stops on his back foot, sends it downfield where Bo Kaiser mossed a Beaver there. Stretches out, turns in for another Indian score. 44 8. Let's get some post game reaction from Austin Morton.
3: Long drive here to Scott City didn't seem to slow down Andell at all, as they showed out from the jump and dominated in all three phases of the game. It started with that opening kickoff touchdown, and the momentum stayed with the Indians all game long. Holes were wide open for the run game, receivers had time to get downfield, and even when the drive stalled out, they were up multiple scores early, so their defense was able to pin their ears back. They got behind the line several times and suffocated the Beaver run game, putting them in third and long situations often. So when the Beavers had to throw, Andell was ready for it to and intercepting all night. Shutting out the Beavers until the fourth quarter and making it only one score allowed this entire postseason for the Indians. Yeah, our defense just continues to play better and better. And um, you know, we
5: were rotating a lot of guys in there, especially late. And so I was proud of how those guys came in and responded. And um, You know, overall, it was just a great effort by them defensively. Um, I don't know how many takeaways we get on the night, but I know we got a couple there, and so that was big.
3: Scott City ends their playoff berth looking hopeful for next year after putting up one of their best seasons in recent years. As for Andale, they'll be preparing for next week where they'll face off against the winner of Collegiate and Rock Creek. In Scott City, Austin Morton, 12 News.
0: So, yes, you have it right there. Andale advances and moves on, and who will they be facing off against? next week. Interesting. Because I do remember them playing that game against Collegiate and that was a dog fight as well too. So who will they be playing? Well i tell you what we're going to do. I am going to take a break right here and when I come back I'm going to give you the scores and that will pretty much tell you who Andell will be facing up against next week? You're listening to the A Train Sports Talk podcast, your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. Please stay seated until the ride is done. We're just now building up ahead of steam. So don't you dare go nowhere. The number one podcast in the state of Kansas, your host conductor, Anthony Smith.
5: Chip crack or completely broken? Does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man. Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the Glassman. Hey, Glassman. The Glassman will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, Glassman. Bring your vehicle to the Glassman just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit, 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com.
0: You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you enjoyed that last segment as I brought you what I would say would be a plethora of highlights so you'll know exactly how things shaped up last night in regional football playoff action here in the state of Kansas. Wish I had some more to bring you, but I do have some scores to give you. However, I am trying to still effort a game from Thursday night with a which would have been the second between Blue Valley Northwest and Olathe North South. I do not have that score on that game. But I can bring you scores from other games, as they happened last night. Uh, so we're looking at Class 6A. I'm not going to give you East or West side bracket. I'm not going to do all that. But I'm going to give you the scores. Uh, Gardner-Edgerton, they will advance as they pretty much manhandled Shawnee Mission Northwest by the score of 49-7. Olathe North moves on, beating Blue Valley West by the score of 35-14. to 14. Blue Valley shut out Olathe East, 17-0. Washburn Rule, team that we're familiar with, gets by Junction City by the score of 27-20, which will set up a rematch with this next team that did A number on Wichita Northwest. Wichita East knocking off Northwest by the score of 48-28, to which will in turn set that rematch, like I said, next week between Wichita East and Washburn Rural as Wichita East will travel. But the momentum that this east High team has and remind you that Washburn Rural just squeaked past them. That game was at the beginning of the year, so I'm pretty sure East is looking to get that bad taste out of their mouth and advance on. As a matter of fact, Deontay Mitchell, the quarterback, said one of his goals was to get this team into state playoffs and get them to play for a state championship game. So that that goal might be met. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, looks like what I'm going to do here is I'm going to uh, take a Well, I'm not going to take a break here, but I just missed a call from someone I was looking for. So we're going to get this young man on the line. So Hey, it's Doug Down
6: with Checkline Communications.
0: Leave me a message. I'll call you back whenever I can. Thank you. And, yes, sometimes you get that, too. But we're going to call Doug back uh, (laughs) because he just called me, and I'm going to get him back on line here, so y'all just bear with me as we get Doug on the line. Hello. Doug Downs, how are you doing this morning or this afternoon?
6: Good. What's going on, man?
0: Well well you you are you are coming through on my podcast right now as we speak. Oh nice. Yes, nice that I just have the door wide open, just bring you right on in. And uh, I had the privilege of listening to you call the game last night between May South and Hutch. And I want to get your insight on that game because from the highlights and from the score, it was a back and forth, but it was a shocker in the fashion of how May South came back and overcame in that game. Give us a little bit of insight on that
6: yeah i mean hutch came out obviously a really good team ready to play mike vernon the head coach over there was a part of that randy driving staff for so long so he knows what kind of traditional what kind of powerhouse the hutch salt hawks can be they stick with that traditional what they call flex bone oh. offense which is really kind of from those of us that we call season back in the day we used to call this the wishbone, the wishbone. Now, basically, right. what they do is they take that wishbone and and kind of spread it out a little bit but they run the same t- style of offense it's a put the football in the fullbacks belly either give it to him or take off around the edge on the option and huts did a nice job with zion Burgess, their fullback not a big kid only 5'10, 175 but very quick very shifty and he was running that fullback trap to perfection to start off the game picking up 15 12 13 yards of carry and Hutch was able to really kind of drive down the field and punch one in early on and may south couldn't get their offense going they kept Doing a bunch of three and outs. They were playing behind the chains a lot in that first quarter. And Hutch capitalized on it. And before you knew it, Hutch was up 20 to nothing in this game. And you just kind of looked around and went, Boy, this is a little bit of a shocker. These two teams played in week three. Hutch won the game 28 to 23. So you knew May South had the capability of coming back. And then right before a half, May South does punch one in. So you go into the locker room up 20 to seven for the Salt Hawks. And we talked to Coach Pfeiffer coming out of the locker room at half, and he said, look, I just went in and challenged my team and asked them were they going to come out and show any kind of toughness. He goes, because this isn't the same team I've seen all year long as far as just being mentally tough and physically tough. And he said, so I challenged my team on how tough they were going to be, and if they wanted to continue to play on, boy, that defense came out, made some adjustments, shut down that inside run game, shut down that backside counter game that Hutch had, forced a lot of three and outs, forced a couple of turnovers and May's able to put another touchdown on the board early in the third and then added the final touchdown in the fourth on a eight-yard Tate McNew run to the corner. Sam Park, good kicker, probably going to kick somewhere in college football at the next level. He knocks in the extra point, and before you know it, May South takes their first lead, 21-20 about mid-fourth, able to hang on and win the game, 21-20 to advance to play Cape for the next
0: one. And that game should be a uh, in the words of good old J.R., that game should be a good old slobber knocker. So, Doug, I, I thank you for chiming back in. I wanted to get your insight on that game. I mean, there's so much more I want to ask you because, I mean, this is playoff football. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, you you look across town. I mean, you was on 454 in, in the Lions' den or the Tigers' den. And, well, now you was in Mays. So you was getting bucked around by a bunch of Mavericks, but up the road from you and then over there on 13th and Tyler, East High was doing what they did to Northwest earlier, knocking them off. So they they get a rematch against Washburn Rule. I mean, it doesn't get any better than state football in the state of Kansas. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah,
6: the sectional part of the playoffs are going to be really good. 5A's got two great games. You've got May South, Capon, that'll be at Southeast High School. Mays goes out to Liberal and gets a big win. Now they're going to come back home, go back over to Goddard District Stadium where they knocked off the Lions just a couple of weeks ago and play the Eisenhower Tigers for next week in 5A. So you got some good stuff there. You've got a Derby Manhattan rematch, fourth Man. time in the last two years these teams have played. Manhattan's won all three. So Derby looking to get some revengeance. And then obviously last night with East High beating Northwest, they get a week one rematch against Topeka Washburn and Rule. Where they only lost by one point up there, they got to go back up there again. So six and five A sectionals are loaded. A lot of great teams. You got Wichita Collegiate and Andell that have to play each other in three A. Yes. Uh, Cheney's got a tough game next week in three A. 3A, so three A is loaded. If you want to watch some high school football playoff style, next week's the week to get out. And I do want to mention this real quick because I had Jeremy Holiday from Keisha on yesterday at halftime. So this coming Thursday and Friday, if a sectional game's on a Thursday, it will qualify, and Friday, Keisha is picking up your entry fee tab for a military, active, or retired, and a guest. Veterans Day is coming up on November 11th, so all active military and retired military plus a guest, you get into any sectional game in the state of Kansas for free, and uh, Keisha's going to pick up that tab for you. You
0: know what? That deserves one of these right here. That deserves an applause right there. Thank you, Keisha, for remembering our men and women of the armed forces that have served this country. So, Doug, I'm going to let you get back to doing what you do on Saturdays because I know you probably have just as full a day on Saturdays as you do Monday through Friday, bringing us good entertainment. And let me just throw this out. If you all want to hear Doug, Monday through Friday, it is on the game plan on KGSO, K230BY, FM 93.9. I can't believe I did that. 14.10 a.m. On the TuneIn app and also on HD 99.7. So you don't have no excuse not to tune in to Doug Downs and uh, Eric Chesterman, if I believe I got that right, on the game plan from 6 to 9. And just to sprinkle this in, since this show is also sponsored by The Glassman, you can check out the pit crew every Thursday during the 8 to 9 o'clock hour. Did I miss anything?
6: Nope, we got one more uh, week of the pit crew coming up this Thursday.
0: One more week we'll of the pit crew to
6: season tomorrow, so it should be a lot of fun.
0: All right, Doug. Thanks once again, and maybe I just got a good enough promo to where I'm making do promos for the radio station there. You get, you have a great day, all right. All right, thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. All right, it. thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That was Doug Downs, and those of you who listen to KGSO, y'all know he's on the game plan weekly, daily, Monday through Friday. And I just gave you all the information there. So what I'm gonna do is get back into these scores, and then I will probably take a break. And then give you the rest of the score. So I'm gonna go ahead and finish up. I'm gonna do six, finish up six A and do five A. And then I am going to take a break. So I gave you the Wichita East Northwest score at 48. Forty-eight to twenty-eight, which is setting up that uh, rematch between Wichita Eastern Washburn Rule, a rematch game, a revenge game. Then Manhattan uh, gets past uh, Free State by the score of twenty-one to seven. Derby manhandles Lawrence forty-eight to six. In five A, once again I have a no score for Shiny Heights and Highland Park, but Topeka Siemens squeaks past Desoto, thirty-one to twenty-eight, so they move on. Will take on the winner, I believe, between Mill Valley and Spring Hill. Which Mill Valley wins that wins that game by the score of 56 to seven. Blue Valley Northwest knocks off Lansing 56 to six. Capen gets by Great Bend 36 to 34. Which now will set up a game between, as you just heard, Doug remind us between May South who knocked off Hutch by the score of 21 to 20. Then Goddard Eisenhower cruises past Hayes as they win that game by the score of 41-7, setting up a game between Mays High, who went to Liberal and knocked off Liberal by the score of 35-6. So that was 5A score. So what I'm going to do right here, I am going to go ahead and take another break. And When I come back, I will conclude the High School Blitz scoreboard show. So don't you dare, dare go nowhere. This train is just now building up. I hear the steam I mean can when can when was the last time I actually had two guests on in one show? can somebody tell me that because I can't even remember that so some of you who listen to me more than I even listen to my own self when was the last time I had two guests on in one show so yes, this is well worth it so like I said, don't you go nowhere train is building up steam we'll be right back.
2: Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star, as well as national brands such as Siegel, and Deets. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks.
0: And now, back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, that's right. Your conductor taking you all across the state of Kansas. So how can I take you all across the state of Kansas? Real simple, because I'm giving you all the scores from the regional sectional playoff games, which covers the state of Kansas. So I'm, this journey is taking you on a train ride across the state of Kansas. I want to thank my guest in that last segment, Doug, for... Honoring my request, appreciate you more than I can say. May I appreciate you. Give me some insight. And like we say, this, this is the best time of the I mean, the season was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discrediting the season. It has been a blast bringing you scores from all across the state of Kansas during this high school football season. But now the season has really begun because it's win in advance, lose, and go home or in some instances you lose and you just pretty much stay home. I mean think about it. Northwest was the home team against Wichita East and for the second time this year, East beat them on their home field. So in that case, it's lose and stay home and watch the playoffs. I mean, Steve Martin is a good friend of mine, but I know that's a bad feeling that those players that are returning they're gonna take into the off season. They're gonna have a whole season to think on that and they're going to want to get that taste out of their mouth in I don't know where, like in the first game, they said there was some bad blood, and I don't know where that bad blood, and it could stem back from the fact that, you know, some of these kids, they grow up playing against each other, you know, if you want to call it Pop Warner, Pee Wee League, whatever, and I guess over the years, those rivalries get developed, and then they filter into the high school, and you've seen it in the first game, the, the no handshake, so East and Northwest could develop into a nice healthy friendly rivalry over the years if East can maintain their winning ways and Northwest of course you know Coach Martin's going to stay for the team out there so we'll keep an eye on that situation between East and Northwest. Well now we're back into the scores we're looking now at 4A as Atchison in a high scoring affair overcomes Eudora by a score of 50-37 to 37. Tonganoxie Brings Chanute's season to an end by the score of twenty-eight to twenty-one. Baser Linwood squeezes out a two-point victory over Lewisburg, twenty-two to twenty. Aquinas gets by Miage by a touchdown by the score of fourteen to seven. Mago cruises past Rose Hill by the score of forty-two to fourteen. Wellington slips past Coffeyville, twenty-seven to twenty. McPherson and Bueller. And McPherson, I believe, they have a field goal kicker that is going to be, you heard Doug talking about his game, but McPherson, they got a field goal kicker that's going to be kicking at the next level as well too. They get by Bueller by the score of 26-3. to And if I'm correct, I believe McPherson and Bueller played earlier here at Riverfront Stadium. And they put on the show, as a matter of fact, they were playing the game on a Thursday night, and there was a Thursday night game on, and I put it out that This game was more entertaining than the Thursday night football game that the NFL was putting on, and I meant every word of it. And to close out, 4A, Andover Central beats Abilene. Now we go to 3A, Frontenac slips past Burlington by the score of 15-12, Holton slips past Wellsville 21-13, Parsons knocks off Prairie View by the score of 50-22, Topeka Hayden gets by Santa Fe Trail, forty-two to twenty-four. Clay Center cruises past Heston by the score of forty-seven to six. Likewise, Cheney opens up and gives himself some breathing room by knocking off Holcomb thirty-seven to eight, which sets up their game against Clay Center next week. Collegiate. Cruises past Rock Creek by the score of 47 to 28, setting up a game next week between them and Andale, who knocked off Scott City by the score of 44 to 8 Now we look at two-way. Asombo slips past Riverton by the score of 24-14. Sabetha cruises past Silver Lake 45 to 24. Osage City gets past Council Grove 15-8. Nemaha Central, 55. Raleigh County, 13. Southeast of Saline, 36. Kingman, 28. Poisonton, 35. Beloit, 6. Ellsworth, 34. Garden Plain, 31. Norton Community slips past TMP by the score of 18-6. Now we take a look at 1A. As Pittsburgh Colgan, Cruises past Jayhawk Land by the score of 63-6. St. Mary's gets past Jackson Heights 14-6. O.P. has no problem with Central Heights cruising past them 23-14. Jefferson County North shuts out Centralia by the score of 16-0. Marion 38, Smith Center 14. Conway Springs gets by Sterling. Cruises past Sterling by the score of 52-22. Valley Heights, 52. Cedric, 40. In a pretty much high-scoring game right there. And closing out, 1A. Medicine Lodge squeaks past Hutch Trinity, bringing their season to a close by the score of 17-14. to Now we take a look at eight-man Division I as West Elk. This was a high-scoring affair. Went to a football game and a basketball score broke out as West Elk. Gets past Little River by the score of 72 to 60. Linden Cruises past South Sumner by the score of 68 to 22. Kyra Paravel Latin, well, let's just say 76 to 30 winner over Burden Central. Chase County gets past Mountain Ridge 36 to 26. El Saline 64, 68, Meade 20. Hoaxie cruises past La Crosse by the score of 61-6. Atwood-Rollins County cruises past Trago Community 58-12. Wichita County has no problem with Clifton Clyde beating them 58-12. In eight-man division two, Hanover gets past Lebo by the score of 30-14. Frankfort. Hey, they're still playing there in Frankfurt. Frankfurt, little small town, but they play some football there. Cruises past Canton Galva, sixty-six to twenty-eight. Axteal cruises past Central Christian, fifty-two to six. Osborne steamrolls rural Vista by a score of sixty to six. Victoria cruises past South Barber, sixty-two to sixteen. Dighton overcomes Wallace County, beating them thirty-six to sixteen. South Central blows out Central Plains by the score of 58-12. Mineola cruises past Sylvan Lucas, 28-6. And now that leads me into sixth man. As Waverly cruises past Altoona Midway by the score of 60-13, Tescott disposes of Peabody Burns, 69-19. Cunningham beats Century by the score of 66 to zero. Pawnee Heights cruises past Chitopa 49 to 34. Ashland blows out Triplanes Brewster 80 to 12. Northern Valley 74, Deerfield 25, Bird City Shillen 80. My goodness! Tribune zero. Ingalls shuts out Golden Plains, 52-0. And those are all your scores for the high school football blitz as we are now in playoff mode in the state of Kansas. i tell you what I am going to do here. This show might be a little bit on the lengthy side, but it would be well worth it when I come back. I'm going to look at last week's scores from the KCAC and give you the uh, games for this week in the KCAC as and you believe that football season is in playoff mode and teams are now jockeying for position, as I had uh, A.B. Stokes on not too long ago, and that's one of the things we were talking about. says, now when you get into a divisional play, it's a whole new season. So we're going to come back and take a look at the KCAC uh, games that were played last week, the games that have been played this week, and also look at the standings. As they shape up as teams are now jockeying for playoff positioning in the KCAC as well as the NAIA. All right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Your host and favorite conductor of the state's number one podcast without any data to back it up. We'll be right back.
2: Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P Seed and and Bathe, is fully stocked for all your pet needs. We carry Victor, Bowling Max, Diamond Value Pack, and many more brands. In addition, we carry collars, chains, and any pet supplies you may need, including grooming supplies and dog shots. Make sure to like us on social media.
0: And now, back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. back into the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. It has been a full day, well, it's a full show, shall I say, it's not been a full day. Because right now, we're getting ready to take a look at the KCAC, scores from last week, games that are coming up this week, I might even get out to that game at Friends University. Also, give you a look at the standings and players of the week. How about the fact that three KCAC teams are ranked in the top twenty-five in the latest poll? So, Friends also sweeps KCAC football weekly honors. So, Friends is on a roll this year. I mean, it's the only game in the city. It's the only college game in the city of Wichita, and they brag on that big time. And I might as well show them some love as well too since they're right here in the air capital city. I might get out and go to their game today. But right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the scores from last week. Also look at some of these honors that were received. As first, well, no, we're going to give you the rundown of the scores from last week's games as Ottawa University beat Avila the score of 42 to 14. Southwestern College, you know those mound builders, they steamrolled past Bethany College by the score of 50 to 19. Evangel knocked off MacPherson College by the score of 17 to 7. Kansas Western University blanked Tabor by the score of 31 to 0. University of St. Mary Fell victim to Sterling College by the score of 33-30. I need to get their coach on as well. And Friends University, Mollywap, Bethel College. Ouch. And that's my good friend A.B. Stokes out there. I know practices were not good this week. Uh, but Friends University steamrolled past Bethel College by the score of 43-0. So the games that are on tap for today in the KCAC Looks like this as McPherson College comes in to Friends University. Doesn't give me a time on that game. But the rest of these games, from what I'm looking at, start time is 1 p.m. So I have no reason to doubt that the McPherson Friends University game might be starting at the same time. I'll just get over there as soon as I can. Uh, Sterling College takes on Avila University, or Avila University. Kansas Western University travels to Ottawa University. Bethel College takes on Bethany. Evangel University goes up against the Mound Builders of Southwestern College. And Tabor College takes on University of St. Mary. Uh, to say there were some awards given out and we're going to get those awards that were given out We can pull those back up. Here we go. As we take a look at this, KCAC players garnering some awards for their achievements on the field. As Ruth Myers Franco earned KCAC football weekly honors. Wynton Ruth of Ottawa University, Bradley Myers of number 12 Evangel University, and Louis Franco of Sterling College have earned this week's KCAC football, offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the week honors, respectively. The conference office announced on Monday the three student athletes were selected for their performance from October 30 through October 29 by a vote of conference sports information directors. All KCAC player of the week honors are presented by Equity Bank. Offensive Player of the Week, Wenton Ruth, Ottawa University, 5'10", 210-pound senior running back out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Rushed for 268 yards on 26 carries, averaging 10.3 yards per carry. He also scored four rushing touchdowns. His 268 yards are the third most rushing yards in a single game in OU program history. Ruth's 24 points are tied for fifth in the OU record book in single game scoring. Defensive Player of the Week, Bradley Myers of Number 12, Evangel University, 5'11", 215 pounds, redshirt junior linebacker out of Lee's Summit, Missouri. Myers had an exceptional game leading the galore in tackles with 20 against McPherson. Myers also finished his afternoon with two sacks and three and a half tackles for loss. The NAIA's leader in tackles helped Evangel pull out a 17-7 defensive battle over the Bulldogs, moving... EU to 9-0 on the season. This marks the second time this season Myers has been named the KCAC Football Defensive Player of the Week. Louis Franco, Sterling College, 6'2", 195-pound senior, kicker from Kingman, Kansas. Franco capped off senior day for the Warriors, scoring 9 points on his own. The highlights were his 41- and 35-yard field goals. 35-yarder gave Sterling a 10-point lead at the time, and ultimately ended up being the difference in the game. So there you have some guys bringing home some Player of the Week accomplishments for their respective schools. What I am trying to do now, as we move right along, I am trying to get you the standings as they shape up i tell you what I'm going to do while I'm also efforting that. we talk about the Player of the Week award. How about not only just getting it in the KCAC, but first we need to see here that there are at least three teams recognized in the latest NAIA football first down playbook coaches poll. Who are those teams? Well, three teams from the Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference were recognized in the latest edition of the NAIA Football First Down Playbook Coaches Poll. The national office announced Monday Evangel University moved up two spots to number 10, while Southwestern College remained at number 24. Friends University was once again in the receiving votes category of the poll. The next edition of the NAIA Football Playbook Coaches Bowl will be released on Monday, November the 6th. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to, first of all, give you the rating method- methodology, how they come across these rankings. The rating was voted upon by a panel of head coaches representing each of the conferences. Each conference is given one rater. Every four schools in the league are a division top 25 is determined by a point system based on how each rater ranks the best team. A team receives 25 points for each first place vote, 24 for second place, and so on through the list. The highest and lowest ranking for each team, a non-rating is considered a low rating, is removed and the team's ranking will be recalculated with an additional point added to each team for every ballot, including discounted ballots that the team appear on teams that receive only one point in the ballot are not considered receiving votes for the complete top 25. Here it is right here. And this is the NAIA. Northwestern Iowa coming in at number one, still undefeated at 9-0. Grandview Iowa at 8-0. Indiana Wesleyan coming in at number three at 8-0. Marion, Indiana at number four coming in at 8-0 also. Morningside Iowa at 8-1. Kaiser, Florida. Let me get my counting right. Coming in at number six. Coming in at number seven, College of Idaho with the eight and one record. Coming in at number eight is Georgetown, Kentucky at, a, at six and one. Number yep, nine, Bethel, Tennessee at eight and one. Number ten is Evangel out of Missouri, but they play in the KCAC at nine and zero. Oh. Number 11 is Lindsey Wilson out of Kentucky at 6 and 2. Number 12, Carroll, Montana at 7 and 1. Number 13, Montana Western at 7 and 1. Number 14, Benedictine out of Kansas at 7 and 2. Number 15, St. Xavier at 5 and 3. Number 16 is Texas Wesleyan at 7 and 1. Number 17 is St. Thomas, Florida at 6 and 3. Number 18, Dickinson State out of North Dakota at 7-1. Number 19 is Quaz, Arizona at 8-1. and one. Number 20 is Concordia, Michigan at 6-2. and two. Number 21 is Reinhardt, Georgia at 6-2. Number 22 is Montana Tech at 5-3. Number 23 is Dort out of Iowa at 6-2. Number 24 is Southwestern out of Kansas at 7-2. And also, number 25 is Baker out of Kansas. And receiving votes, Louisiana Christian, Friends, right here in Wichita, Kansas, Roosevelt, Illinois, Mid-America, Nazarene, Kansas. So there you have the NAIA Top 25. Well, i tell you what. I am having a blast being your conductor on this train. Hope that the content I'm giving you is what you like. I'm always open to suggestions, what you would like to hear. This is a college football Saturday and there have been some shots fired. So what I think I'm going to do, like I say, I'll i try not to be too lengthy, but this right here might be one of my lengthier programs because it's supposed to be about the things on the field. But there's a particular school that is in the headlines and it seems like it's on a weekly basis where you don't hear nothing about well, let me just let the cat out the bag. Sign stealing. Well, Michigan takes on Purdue, and there's an awkwardness about that game. But now there has been some whistleblowing, and Michigan is blaming a longtime nemesis and rival for blowing the whistle. Who might that be? Well, I tell you what, if you want to find out, you've got to come back on the other side of this break and I will give you more on this science stealing scandal right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast as we take it from the statewide regional to now national right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast where else are you going to get good content at from no other spot than right here your trusted source <music>
5: Chip, crack, or completely broken? Does your vehicle need the Glass Man? Hey, okay, Glass Man! Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the Glass Man. Hey, okay, Glass Man! The Glass Man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that'll make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, okay, Glass Man! Bring your vehicle to the Glassman just west of West Street on Central, or get it fixed by their mobile unit, 316-669-GLASS, or at heyglassman.com.
0: It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's time for us all to grow together so if you would like to have your ad ran on the a train sports talk podcast simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010 or if you would like to sponsor a segment you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or 316-553-2010 so let's grow together it is the a train sports talk podcast your host and conductor anthony smith you're listening to the a train sports talk podcast buckle up and enjoy the ride Welcome back to the A-Tree Sports Talk Podcast. I know that sounds like the same tune that was playing as I went out. You know, sometimes it gets good like that. And since I'm my own engineer and producer, I guess I can do that. It sounds so good. Just let it fade on out because Michigan just can't seem to catch a break from the scandal that is the sign stealing. Well... As they get ready to take on Purdue, head coach of Michigan football's next opponent, Purdue, decides to go off. He says if the Big Ten lets the NCAA investigation into Michigan football play out just a few days more without taking action, then it's going to be more than an awkward postgame situation for Jim Harbaugh and Purdue head coach Ryan Walters. On Thursday." Walters blasted the Wolverines in an interview in regards to the alleged sign-stealing scandal, saying, they aren't allegations. It happened. There's video evidence. There's ticket purchases you can track back. We know for a fact they were at a number of our games. The investigation is ongoing, and Michigan football has yet to be able to defend itself publicly amid an intensifying series of accusations. Per reports, the Wolverine.com and elsewhere, the University of Michigan is confident that the NCAA has a firm grasp on the situation, and the university has confident enough was confident enough in the findings that it okayed Harbaugh's contract extension on Tuesday. What has happened since has been nothing short of a media firestorm surrounding the Ann Arbor-based program. So that's just one aspect of it. But you know what, though? There's more to it than this right here. And I am going to prove it to you because here is another report. You know, those saying if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging. What other reason would all Michigan have to come out at one of their longtime nemesis, if there wasn't a slight chance that they might be getting ready to actually go down, think about it. So, there's a story. Because you know, when stuff like this comes out, there has to be a whistleblower. And it just so happens that Michigan thinks Ohio State has something to do with it. Imagine that. Your biggest rival. So can you imagine the intensity of that rival? is going to be turned up even more so? Those two schools lock arms and play against each other. It's going to be a Brook. The security that they're going to have on hand won't be enough. They might have to bring in the National Guard. Seriously. They will have to bring in the National Guard for this one. because This is not going to be a pretty sight. As a matter of fact, you can pretty much just hear the whispers of Woody Hayes and Bo Shembeckler spewing out their hatred for each other. This, this, just, this is what college football is made for. The rivalry, the intensity of the rival, and now the mudslinging is going on. So here it is. Michigan football has proof Ohio State head coach Ryan Day's family leaked sign-stealing scandal. And this could only be the beginning of another Pandora's box set to open on this Michigan football scandal that has swept college football. Just when Michigan's football sign sign stealing, sick sign signal stealing scandal couldn't get any more interesting, the latest bombshell may have just dropped. Reports surfaced Friday claiming that Michigan along with the media, is looking into who the whistleblowers are that are leaking information about the situation to media outlets, including Chris Bayless. It is believed that there are two private investigators tied into the matter, and Michigan has evidence that could link one of them to Timothy Day, the younger brother of Ohio State football head coach Ryan Day. The other is supposedly linked to Day's other brother, Christopher. One reportedly runs a private investigation firm in Day's hometown. As Michigan continues to look into this, some sources at the university allege that evidence pertaining to the investigation was illegally obtained by gaining access to a computer, specifically a spreadsheet showing the travel plans and expenses of counter stallions. The Michigan football staffer who is at the heart of the sign stealing investigation. If the sources are correct and the private investigators are linked to the Day family, it will not be a good look for Ohio State. Even if Ryan Day had no knowledge of the people involved and or if he knew about his brother's involvement, which would be pretty coincidental given the circumstances, it would still reflect poorly on him and the program. Fans could see a move like this as a level of inferiority, thinking that they went to extreme lengths to maintain his near-perfect record against Michigan football. On the flip side, it would be somewhat warranted to sniff out Michigan if it is deemed that the program violated NCAA rules. People go at great lengths to get what they want. That includes college football coaches. Ohio State was wary of Michigan last season, and the curiosity continues in 2023. This could only be the beginning of another Pandora's box set to open on this Michigan football scandal. Well, as if that's not enough, here's another report that just surfaced, oh, let's just say about maybe two hours ago, could Big Ten hit Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh with suspension? The latest update in the Michigan Football Sign Stealing Scandal came out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, of all places today, on site for ESPN's College Football Game Day at the campus of the University of Alabama. ESPN insider Pete Bamel was interviewed by Game Day host Reese Davis discussing the latest on a potential punishment for Jim Harbaugh dished out not by the NCAA, but instead by the Big Ten. Let me just stop right there because now you can see things shaping up. Uh, I listen to talk radio around here, and I listen to what people say, and you you hear a lot of talk of, well, the NCAA are... Power 5 schools are going to break away from the NCAA. Well, could this be the beginning of that because as this says, Pete Thamel was interviewed by game day host Reese Davis discussing the latest on a potential punishment for Jim Harbaugh dished out by not the NCAA but instead by the Big 10, which means the Big 10 is going to handle their business even if the NCAA doesn't. I mean, think about it. We got NIL out of control. If you listen to how some people talk, we got a transfer portal that seemed like it only favors those who are of blue blood status. Yes, I said that. There's more to that, but that's for another show and another time. So, just what did Peter Thamel say? Well, let's listen. Yes. yes. More news coming from
7: Michigan and the scandal, Pete. What's the latest hey, hey. going on with the Wolverines and the <sighs> sign stealing situation? Yeah, Reese, uh, Michigan staffer Connor Stallions, the, the staffer at the heart of this NCA investigation, announced his resignation on Friday. A statement, uh, a lawyer for Stallions released a statement late Friday that said in part that Jim Harbaugh nor any coaching staff members at Michigan were aware of any improper conduct. Reese, this obviously falls in line with the statement Jim Harbaugh made earlier in this investigation that he had no knowledge of any illegal sign stealing. Well, that may be true but that also falls in line with every scandal in the history of college athletics somebody taking the fall for it but it might be true who knows the the question now is if there is punishment for michigan uh, or jim harbaugh would it come down this year and if so what would that look like yeah reese the most telling sign that the big ten which would take action immediately and has the purview to do that um, it would come under the league's sportsmanship policy, and the most telling sign that could happen is that Tony Petiti told his athletic directors this week that he's been engaged with the NCAA, which is an important step in getting a fact set in this case. In the last few days, Petiti has spoken with the athletic directors, he's spoken with the presidents, he's spoken with the coaches, and the next steps appear that there will be some type of punishment for Michigan the most likely scenario here is some type of suspension for Jim Harbaugh I wouldn't expect anything to happen today before they kick off against Purdue at 730 but in the upcoming days Reese I would expect that we're going to we're gonna find out whether or not the Big Ten will punish Jim Harbaugh what that will be and how long that suspension would be
0: potentially Wow talk about possible suspension so there's a whole lot to unpack here And I don't know if we start with the Alabama crowd in the attendance serenading Pete Thamel with bull chants at the insistence that Stallions acted alone. In fairness, those chants were only directed at Thamel because in this instance, he served as a proxy for Stallions. Reese Davis coming out right and calling Connor Stallions bluff regarding Jim Harbaugh's alleged lack of involvement with the scandal quote on the bottom third of the screen from Purdue's head coach Ryan Walters, who pulls absolutely no punches or the fact that Harbaugh could be suspended as early as this week, likely due to the understandable uproar from the rest of the Big Ten's coaches in a contentious midweek conference call. Since we arrived at the point where every coach in the Big Ten and every coach that has led a team into action against Michigan last two years has a right to be incredibly pissed off. And that vitriol will only grow if Harbaugh and the Michigan football program are not punished this year. At this point, according to Tamil, a second suspension for Harbaugh this season is likely, and all the evidence suggests it's certainly warranted. So now the question is, it's probably not a matter of if, it's a matter of when they suspend Harbaugh, how long Will that suspension last? Now you heard him say in his comments that Stallions had resigned. However, I seen another report, I just can't pull it up, that Stallions was actually terminated. So it's just a matter it's just a matter what side of that report you believe. Was he terminated or did he resign? The bottom line is he is no longer part of Michigan football. But that does not still exempt Michigan as far as the Big Ten is concerned from leveling out their own punishment. Not limited to, but also included, suspension of Harbaugh and how long that suspension will last. But I'm going to say this, though. Sign stealing or no sign stealing, some teams you just don't need to steal signs from. Some teams you just line them up, go out, and pretty much beat the hell out of them. And that's what Michigan has done. And I don't, I don't see how some of these teams that they beat why it would even be worth stealing signs from, because from a physical standpoint, you just physically dominate these teams. What good is signs going to do still? I mean, you don't need to do it. If you're doing it, stop doing it. If it's caused this much of an uproar, stop doing it. And I always hold to this fact. Yes, you heard about this extension to his contract. But at some point, Harpois is going to either get sick of the NCAA or he's going to get sick of the Big Ten, and he's going to find him an exit back to the NFL. I believe that, and I know there are others that believe that, even though there may be some say, well, no, he just signed an extension. He just signed an extension. That doesn't mean nothing. Uh, uh, An extension, a contract, there's a word called B-U-Y-O-U-T. It's called buyout. Either if Harbaugh gets sick of the college scene and all the Rhetoric and all the BS that goes on with it, his people can help him buy that out. Whoever, whatever job he takes in the NFL, they can buy out that contract. If Michigan decides that, you know, this is more trouble than it's worth and all the negative publicity, we're going to let you go. Oh, trust me. They got the money to pay out his contract. Because you have to have a just cause of, you can't just fire the man without cause. You got to have a cause of fire. I don't think this is enough of a cause and you just sign them to an extension. So, that's my take. There was also some more tragic news in the world of sports. But I am going to save that for another show as this one has been lengthy enough and I don't want to take up no more of your time than I have to, but those of you who remember uh coach Collison. callison. Uh let's see if I can get the name right. As a matter of fact, uh he was down in New Mexico for a little bit too and other stops, but uh I do have let me get the name right. Here it is. Gary Colson passed away upon yesterday at the age of I do believe 89 years old. So I'm going to touch up on that a little bit on probably Monday. Might do it tomorrow. And also, be on the lookout because there is a player for the University of Memphis who was denied waivers, and this young man is 27 years old. He was trying to get a waiver to play for another year. Dude, go to the NBA. Please. You're old enough to be in the NBA. (laughs) Take your old butt to the NBA where you belong. You don't need to be hanging around with college kids. I mean, come on now. I can understand the Mormons doing this because of the fact that, you know, they go on a mission for two years before they even get to step foot on a football field or a playing court. Dude, I believe you said what? Evansville University. Then you went to uh, Memphis. And you're 27 years old. You you are three years from 30. You should be in the prime of your NBA career, coming down on the back leg, looking at retirement. Seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, those are some things to look forward to coming up on my next podcast show. And I hope you have thoroughly enjoyed this show today. There was a lot to unpack, but we made it through and now we're getting ready to bring the train into the station. So once again, I hope you have enjoyed today's show as I have enjoyed being your host and conductor of the number one podcast without any data to back it up here in the state of Kansas. It has really, truly been a blast. Once again, special thanks to my guest, Ethan Rogers out of the state of Missouri. Also to Doug Downs for jumping on at the last minute and give me an update and some insight on the game that he called last night. Until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Enjoy a day filled with nothing but football, football, football. I'm out.